Hey, it's editing Shannon. Uh, before the episode begins, I'd like to quickly apologize for mine and Blake's audio. It's a little choppy at some points, but I hope you can still understand what uh, Blake and I were talking about on our end. So enjoy the rest of the episode. Waiting for Seconds is a podcast that talks about subjects of self-harm, suicide, eating disorders, and other personal topics. If you don't feel comfortable listening to this podcast alone, listen to it with someone important to you. May that be a teacher, a parent figure, or someone else you feel comfortable being with. This is Waiting for Seconds, the interview podcast where we meet people and ask them who they are and why they are. I'm Shannon Miller, and I'm here with Malcolm Outkelp, and today we'll be speaking with my friend Blake Nutting. Go ahead and introduce yourself, buddy. I'm Blake Nutting. I'm uh, 27 years old, and I live in Wallace, Idaho. I'm Shannon and his brother Austin, good buddy, and I'm happy to be here and get interrogated i mean you're not wrong about that we are gonna actually interrogate you i like it um so i met blake uh actually through my brother austin uh austin had started doing muay thai i know i've talked about that before on the podcast but uh we met i think via a dinner at the park like we did like a barbecue kind of thing with john yeah 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 that's right and so i met him through there i met his son kane and just kind of he's kind of become a a mentor and a friend to me through muay thai because he's he's really trained me and uh and all the skills been a lot of fun so i'm just happy you're here it's been wild man i'm glad i'm here too we were talking about it, was it two days ago we went running? Yeah. And like how crazy it is how people come into your life. Yeah. The, the role they play. If if you allow them to get that far in your life, you know? You meet a lot of people. And there's only a select few that you let actually impact. That is true, because I know when I first moved out here, I wasn't expecting to meet anybody super influential. And now over the past two or three years that, like, I've been hanging out with you and Crew Pablo, it's just people are coming into my life one day at a time. Yeah. It's just, it's awesome. It is. It's good. I want to know a little bit more about how you guys came to meet and how you guys came to, like, become so close. How do we choose those friends who really do affect us? Ooh. How do we choose those friends that affect us? I'm a, I'll let you take the reins. I think to answer like the latter part of that question, um, like I've met a lot of people in my life that I've cut out of my life, or I I, I don't want to say they didn't they didn't have anything to offer me because that sounds kind of negative and bad. But I think as an adult. And as someone who wants to grow in life, achieve things, you kind of have to pick and choose, you know, who you surround yourself with. So 
if you're hanging out with these people or meet these certain people that you don't see have value to your life and your goals and kind of who you want to be or become, then, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's one way you kind of choose who stays in your life, right? Is not only what you can gain from people, but what you can help people with. Hmm. It's like a give or take. It's a give or take, yeah, because you don't want to just be hanging around people who are stagnant and have nothing to offer and are like super pessimistic all the time and, you know, don't have goals because you want to uplift each other, grow together. Mm. I think that's kind of a big point of picking who's in your life, right? Yeah, I, I think I fully agree with that. I used to think everybody was my friend and like everybody was therapist yeah but now it's more of like who is gonna better me uh it's more selfish right honestly you pick the people around you for selfish reasons yeah absolutely it's because you want them to help you grow and you want to help them grow yeah now it might not be the same growth that maybe they need in in certain moments but it's something you bring to the table and they also bring to the table to help you out yeah absolutely but the uh, would you consider your like your friends that you bring closer more of a family or oh yeah yeah i m- more family than like my actual yeah cuz i don't know i have a lot of blood family and you have a lot of blood I family i don't really associate with 99.9% of them most of my even like from childhood until now i'd say most of like people i call brothers people i call family are not related the people that i've just picked up along the way you know throwing them a little bag <laughs> <laughs> well besides the the little family you have here besides us like you you and your kid and your wife yeah huh it's crazy what is that like having being a family man being a yeah being a dad being a dad is great man it uh it's uh it really has pushed me to be a better person all around. And anytime that I feel that I'm lacking in life or I don't have everyone you know, everyone thinks, you know, oh man, my life sucks, you know. You get down on yourself, you get depressed. But when you have those people that rely on you and that give you love, you know, and bring you joy. Yeah. Even in the worst of times, you can look and be like, oh, family's happy. I have a healthy, happy family. So I've, I'm happy. That it's, it's like the light in the dark. You know, I could have the worst day, the worst week, and as long as I can come home to my Yeah. I might still be depressed, but that's just the way things go. The human brain. As long as... As long as your kid and wife are happy, that's all you really need. Yeah, happy and healthy. And they can't always be happy. No one, but yeah. health is a big thing. Being too happy for too long isn't isn't a state of goodness. It's, you know, uncomfortable and not yeah, very it, enjoyable. No, and you have to be unhappy to grow, mm-hmm. I think. Because if, if, like you say, if you're always happy and you're always hint, then you're never going to strive for more. So it's those times of, like, turmoil, you know, mental distress that really drive you to push for more in your life. Well, maybe this is a little bit of 
maybe this is a little bit in the past for you, but before your wife and kid, before you had your big happy family, uh, or maybe smaller happy family, uh, how did you deal with those stressors? Was it just, this is good for me, this pressure, you know, pressure turns rocks into diamonds? Or was there another method? I had not much of a method to deal with my mental health or, I mean, my physical health, I always tried to keep up on through, like, martial arts mm. and exercise and physical labor. But um, I had horrible coping mechanisms. Party a lot. I, you know, I self-harmed. I self-sabotaged. Self-sabotage was big for me. Like, I would purposely put myself through horrible situations just to feel that, that, uh, that agony because it made me mm. feel alive, you know? Mm-hmm. And I had, because I didn't, ha- I had myself, I had friends, but I had self as like a younger man and a teen, so it was, it was that was my way to get through things: drugs, alcohol, poor decisions, adrenaline, all those things. Kind of, they didn't help me cope, but they disguised my issues internally, I guess. Mm-hmm. Which. I don't know. It's not unfortunate because I learned a lot. And I I learned, like, what not to do. And, yeah, it helped me grow. I, I, we were talking about this a couple days ago where, like, we're both very independent people. Yeah. It's sound, from what I know of you is all those situations through your childhood is, you had to do that wrong. Yeah. Can I ask why that is? Like, what's the reason you had to learn I, all of those things? Well, I think, like, from from a young child, like... Yeah, <clears throat> it, or just in general. I guess I let... So, I, I don't know. I had a pretty shitty childhood, but I never really had... I had my grandpa. My grandpa was, like, the only figure in my life that... I could consider, you know, a good role model, right? Mm-hmm. And other than that, I had my brothers who weren't there. They were never here. <clears throat> my dad, drug addict. My mom was a drug addict. So, like, I relied heavily on finding other families, mm-hmm. if that makes sense, like friends and their families, and I tried to crutch off of them and use them as my families, and it never was the same, so I kind of went... A nomadic sense of mind like i have to do everything on my own i have to yeah. like push through and you know self-soothe and deal with my issues on my own and never ask for help so i think like that damaged me growing up because and it's i'm just now getting to the point where i can open up to people i realize everything is not just on me because i have family and i have friends you have people to back you I up. I have people to back me up. Mm-hmm. But before it was like, all right, Blake, we're going to do this. And get through it like you always have. As long as you're breathing, that's all that matters. Yeah, and I mean... That sounds really dramatic, but... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is, because it, it, in those times of struggle that we, like, we have to face the facts, it's... Uh, at least for me, I was kind of an independent... I did my own thing didn't really rely on my family or my parents to to help me i had to go to other people like i had somebody teach me how to drive my parents 
come teach me how to drive right. and not i'm not trying to say that our issues are the same but it's that idea of trying to face it on your own and you you have to yeah it it's has almost a, it's the same it's effect. almost like a survival mentality absolutely 100 percent. and it doesn't matter like what someone went through like we talked about this before you know yeah like so one person's struggles on paper could be look way worse than someone else's but to the person, you know, subjectively, it it can affect you the same way. Yeah. Right? It can have the same mental uh, reaction and consequences as what someone else went through that was on paper worse, but to the person, in the, for the circumstance, it was... Yeah. I, I completely agree with that. And I... Because I, it's unfortunate, because I've seen situations that are either similar to yours or similar to mine. And I always, I, I try so hard not to compare, like, their issues as, like, a big deal. Because sometimes, man, I've seen people and they just get into this state of self-harm or self-doubt that I'm just like, wake up. But they still need to deal with those issues uh, like we have. Right. They they might have not gotten to that point, but you were talking about your grandfather. Is he? He's not alive anymore. He is. Yeah, Steve. He's still Steve, kicking Steve's it. Steve's still kicking it. Yeah, <laughs> he's a good dude, man. Yeah. Yeah. He he's he's uh like, what ways did he like change you? Well, so like from a child, you know, I didn't like my parents sucked. My to be fair, in case like my dad listens to this or something. He's changed his life, and he's a better man now, and that's in the past. Good. And yeah. my mom is still my mom. Still. But Grandpa Steve and Grandma Terry, I can't count her out, but Steve was, like, my main only male role model. And I'd go over to their house, you know, know how. when I did, mm -hmm. he was, like, the only positive, healthy male figure that I ever had. So I tried to listen to what he said as a mm -hmm. child because I was, I was, fuck, I was traumatized. When I went to their house, it was bliss, you know. It was, it was the time safe. where I yeah. could be me. So I, and I saw yeah. the, the leader of that house, Steve, and I was like, huh, I need to try to be like you so I don't end up like them. Because if I end up like them, my life is going to be disastrous, sad and depressing, not fruitful. So, he did a lot for me. He taught me how to work. He taught me how to drive. He taught me things about relationships and, like, how to be, just how to be a good person, you know? Yeah. He sounds like he's just, just wanted to look out for the best for you and always trying to be there for you. Oh, yeah, he was. And he's the most level-headed man I've ever met. Hmm. If that, like, calm demeanor, he lets everything roll off his shoulders, even though you know it eats him up. But his big thing that still sticks with me is, like, um, he always told me, always, in anger, always hold your tongue, because you can never take back the words you say. You can think whatever you want, but as soon as those words leave your mouth, they're malicious, hurtful. Or you say them in anger, it's anger's distorting, right? It distorts yeah. your views, and it it 
you act out. So hold back. It's okay to be silent and hold it in and think about it and then come back, you know, 10 minutes later, an hour later, a day later, and then deal with it. Don't hold it in and bottle it up forever, but don't speak in, speak in anger. Like, you know, what you say is there. You can't, can't erase what you say. Hmm. Once it leaves your mouth, if that impacts somebody else, can't, there's no back. You know, you can't yell at your wife and use super hurtful words and then say, oh, I didn't mean that. Because even if you didn't mean it, because you're mad, they don't know. It doesn't change no. how, what, what, what it meant to them, how it affected them. Yeah. Hmm. Is that kind of how, like, you used to deal with stuff? Like, it was very, no. you'd always hold it in just a little I would, bit? I would either hold everything in, or I'd just lose my shit. I was such an angry person up until about, I'd say, like, five or six years ago. Until, like, before my son was born, I was, I was violent, angry, and I wasn't mean to people. I've always been very kind to people, but I was hot-headed, and yeah. I just let it go. Or I'd hold it in and then let it, just unleash it on somebody, Just built you know? up, yeah. yeah. Or unleash it on myself through self-sabotage. Demeaning myself. Hmm. You know things you're not supposed to do yeah i i try not i try not now now to uh bottle up any anger or stress i try and not say anything in the moment but come back to it think about it think about why i said it or why i was thinking it yeah one way or another you'd have a conversation with yourself yeah that's something that we've talked about too is talking to yourself or talking if talk to god if you're a religious man or woman that's another way for me it's talk to myself yeah in those moments of real i'll have a conversation with myself like hey blake or when you're working or when i'm working especially yeah sit down breath talk to you're you're who you have you're no matter what you're always with your People leave, mm-hmm. people leave you, family leaves you, people die, but you always have yourself in death, so be able to talk. Mm. Intelligent. Right. Well, uh, I'd love to ask, even if your internal monologue is just with yourself, are you a religious man? No, no, no. <laughs> I, I went through a religious phase, but and my, my grandfather's religious. But, yeah, I, I'm i not religious anymore. Would you, do you want to talk more on yeah, that? Yeah, I'm fine with talking about religion. Okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, what, you were, you were Mormon, right? Yeah, yeah. Did you start out Mormon? No, so, my grandparents are Christian, right? Mm-hmm. My, Is it like Catholic? Any just, s- just Christian, just baseline, I don't, Christian, Okay. Right? They go to like, yeah. like real life ministries, like, right. Christian. Just Walmart, Walmart, Chris, Kirkland brand, (laughs) (laughs) but so yeah, I grew up and they always had, I went to Sunday school every once in a while and I didn't, it didn't chime with me because it, I don't know. I I didn't believe then I would just went there because it was, well, what I had to do because I was with my grandparents. Right. 
on some weekends and they sent me to Sunday school and they went to church and it was fun. Like it was hang out with good people. And, yeah. You know, it was, I enjoyed it. it. It wasn't something I didn't look forward to. I looked forward. Right. But it but, wasn't like a religious thing no, just yet. No. And moving forward from that, like I, uh, I was really lost for a long time and I made a lot of poor decisions like through my teenage years, especially. And I was li- I I, uh, I was living with my friend Cam and Robinette, and old one, probably, because I moved in with Cameron when I was like sixteen. We got a house together. His mom moved away, and we rented her house. And I lived with him for a couple years, so like I think eighteen years old. I moved from his house to my cousin Chris Jensen. And what a bad environment that was because it was, we'd both get off work, get home from work every day, and just drink and drink. And I went through, like, so many jobs. I just, so many. I, I just, do just, not know this about you. Just living with him, I probably went through, like, five different employers because of my, I was an alcoholic. You know, I did just bad decisions. Anyways, I got fed up with it because I was unhealthy. I wasn't going anywhere. I was just drinking, hung over every day. I hated myself. I hated my life. I wanted to die. So I packed my shit and I called my buddy uh, Colt. And I fucking I drove over to his house. And I was just going to stay the weekend. Well, the weekend, he lived with his parents. Mm-hmm. His mom and his stepdad up in like the attic. And I stayed a weekend. I stayed two weekends, three weekends, <laughs> and I was sleeping on a cot in his room, like an old, like, like Vietnam era military cot. Hell yeah. And then his mom came up one day and she's like, hey, you want to like stay here? And I was, please, please let me stay here because I cannot go back. I'll just drink myself. And they were Mormon. So the missionaries would come over on Saturday. I'm not sure what day it was, but they'd come over weekly, and I was really skeptical at first, and then they kind of wrote me in because they were really warm and inviting. So yeah, I, I went and I started going to church, hmm. and I got baptized, and it helped me like find my, I don't know if I say find myself, but it helped me level my life out, mm-hmm. and it gave me like, it was like a sanctuary, safe haven. Hmm. But as time went on, I realized, at least at the church that I was going to, there was a lot of hypocrites and a lot of false truths, I guess, amongst people. And it was very, it was a judgmental, judgmental atmosphere. And I didn't appreciate it after. I felt like it wasn't enough. And they yeah, almost made it yeah. like they almost made it a point to make me feel like I wasn't enough. Like you, you always had to get to that next like yeah like, level. Like for example, like we'd go to temple, right? And there's certain levels of the temple that you're allowed to go to, and there's certain services you're allowed to perform based on your rank in the church or whatever, right? So uh, like I had my ironic priesthood, mm-hmm. so I could do baptisms for the dead. So like I could go into the baptism pool. And they give you names and you get baptized for people that had passed so that they had a chance to make it 
right? Which is just, it's crazy, <laughs> in my opinion. But anyways, so some months went by, and I was like, hey, I've all, like, I want to progress. I want to get to that next level, because they don't even tell you what it is. They don't tell you what huh. other services you can perform. So I went and I talked to our bishop. Hey, like, I think I'm ready for the next step. I want to be able to do more and serve. Yeah. But I wasn't paying enough tithing because I worked a minimum wage job. So now it was... And I had to pay my own bills, you know. And he said, well, you're not paying enough tithing. You're supposed to pay X amount of, like, X percent of your income needs to come to the church, to God, right? And that was the red check or the red X on the resume to where I couldn't move forward. And that was the day I realized, I was like, huh. So, because I can't financially afford to pay you this percentage of my income that's feeding me. Yeah. And, and keeping me alive. Yeah. I can't progress and serve. Serving is, you know, I thought, if, if I'm willing, I should be able to serve, right? Right. Yeah. But that's not how it was. That's kind of like the, the mission aspect of, like, how I would expect Christian to be, but it's that payment to Christianity is right. is what it sounded like. Like you had to pay yeah. X amount to become part of the church. It better. felt it felt like a club. It felt like oh my like gosh. like a, like I didn't have my Costco card, you know, so I couldn't go buy groceries at the at Costco. So I I from there oh. yeah. I don't know if you want me to keep talking about like No, you're there, good. But... Keep going. <laughs> keep going. This is So from there I bought I bought a camper uh-huh. and I put it on the back of my truck. It was like an in-bed camper, right? Um, I got a new job because I was selling cars for Dave Smith. I was a salesman right. working six days a week, 12-hour shifts, stressed out all the time. So I said, screw that. And I'm driving home one day, Colt's house, and there was a concrete crew doing concrete. Mm-hmm. And this almost kept me to the faith and kept me following like the Mormon path. And kept me with the church because I stopped, got out of my truck, and I went and talked to the guys, the foreman, mm-hmm. Daniel Clement. And I asked, hey, do you guys need any hands? You can help? Good laborer. I'll work hard. I'm not super smart, but I can work. <laughs> and, yeah, when do you want to start? I don't know. When can you start? Tomorrow. Perfect. So I called my job. I quit. And crazy thing is, is like, they were also and they knew everyone I lived with. Right. But they lived, they lived in Hayden, so like 60 miles the other direction. Right. So that, for me, I was like, oh, sign. You know, like, God's giving me, he's going to help me out here. Right, he's going to give you a sign. But, I don't know, I think it was incident. Because mm-hmm. I think we live in such a tight-knit, small area that coincidence does happen. But yeah. from there, you know, yeah. I started doing concrete, started living in my truck. Mm-hmm. That's how I kind of left the Mormon religion, mostly from prejudice and judgmental tendencies that I experienced yeah. in the church. And I didn't agree with a lot of, um, well, not a lot, but some of their views. And it's a lot of hypocrisy. Right. I didn't appreciate Because if you're going to tell me to live my life one way and judge me for not doing it, and then you do the things you told me not to do, completely you, you bet your ass I'm yeah. definitely going to question everything you're telling me. There's examples I have, but you don't want to go into. That. I mean, I can. No, that's it, it's. If you feel comfortable, you yeah. can. Yeah. So there was one of our uh, 
elder quorum leaders, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it, we do in our services, we'd go and we do everyone would we sing hymns and you know give our testaments as a group. So like with males and females, everyone in the same room, and then from there we'd split up and go to our teaching, right? Mm-hmm. So the men would go to elder elders quorum and or men's quorum, and there was a leader there whose daughter we knew. That doesn't have anything to do with it, but he was very, very judgmental and wanted to make sure everyone was living their life right. Mm-hmm. Well, he he ended up going going to prison. He was a doctor, right? I'm not going to say names, but he got busted uh, scripts like hydrocodone, oxycotton out at the out oh, of state line no. to like 16 year old girls. Jesus, and Jesus. it's like that was one of the bigger turning points for me. I was like, hmm. It goes back to surrounding yourself with people you want to be. Yeah. Like, you want to grow, you need to surround yourself with good people. There's no way I was going to stay and let those people tell me how to live my life. Yeah. If one of their elders or leaders That's, and oh. mentors is doing this heinous act, you know? Mm-hmm. How, how, could I, how could I keep following? I'm not against religion. I don't, like... It's just not for you. It's not for me, man. And I don't believe in God. I don't know what there is. I'm not going to tell anyone they're wrong. Mm-hmm. And I respect everyone's views. But that's just not where my beliefs I've 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 went mm. through too many things in my life. Like, a big thing for me is people use, in my opinion, they use God as, like, a crutch. Or when when someone does something good in their life, mm-hmm. right? If they work if I work super super hard towards this goal, and I achieve this goal, the first person they think is God. Which, if that's their beliefs, that's good. But thank yourself. You're the one who went through it. You're the one who made those decisions. You're the one who fucking put in the work. You did everything you had to to get to where you wanted to be. Better thank yourself before you thank anybody else, yeah. because it's you, man. You're the person, you're, it, everything you do in life is because you're trying to either better yourself or, I mean, if it's in a positive nature. Yeah. Like, if, you're, if you achieve a goal, you have people that help you along the way, but without your tenacity and your discipline and, like, your will, right. it's you who does it. I, I don't know about you, Malcolm, but at least for me, because of how I view uh, Christianity and how I have interpreted it for myself, it's, I want to give glory to God in some way, shape, or form, but it's never without, like, I did not make the initiative. God God has opened doors for me, like, different jobs, different opportunities, and I, I thank him for that, but one big part of it is it's a shared kind of relationship for me because if I did not put forth the effort, gotten those jobs, put written down my resume, God's not going to print off my resume right. and slip it under somebody's door. Right. I have to be the one to make the effort. Yeah. That's, I, I mean, that's how I look at it. It's, and I, and I, I respect that view 100%. Mm. I, cause, like I always, I tell everybody when I have these conversations, I don't know 
what is out there. I right. don't know what happened when we die. I don't know why we're here. I don't know who put us here, what put us here, what event put us here. I just, I know what I see. Very physical person. Mm-hmm. And I believe in, inner, like, the energy of things. and Everything has energy. But for me, I blindly put faith in yeah a higher power that's helping me putting me on the right path yeah and that's mostly from what i went through as a kid and that's my bias it Mm -hmm. is from my my journey from childhood to now has been grueling and it's been hard work still feel like i haven't done enough but I've pushed myself through so many obstacles. Been, been me, man. Yeah. I console yeah. myself. I talk to myself. Which we talked about this. Mm-hmm. Maybe it is me talking. Don't know when I'm talking to myself, but yeah. I don't believe it is. Right. You're just talking to yeah. yourself out loud because I it it helps it, it yeah. helps you think through things if you can say it out loud and if you can say it out loud you believe it exactly yeah. So yeah, I don't have anything against it. I don't want everyone to know that. I'm not like <laughs> right. I'm not like that. I respect right. everyone's views because everyone has a right to their own opinion. Yes, they do. And no one knows sure for certain what what's out there. Nobody yeah. really knows. You can say you know, but we're all living the same life, man. I mean, and that's kind of the goal of the podcast is just to put it out there yeah. that these opinions exist and some people can share the same and some and it's good to be able to like have differing opinions and still be good friends right exactly because if if the world could talk like we're talking you believe in god and you're christian and you Mm -hmm. have your faith and i don't but we're still good friends right and we're talking about it and it's not an argument it's a discussion right and if the world could do that as a whole Instead of like, oh, you don't agree with me, I'm going to kill you. It would be such a... I mean, and that's kind of the issue with, like, our media today. Is it's that black and white, there's no gray, when most of life is gray. Yeah. It's not black or white. They want us to fight, man. Yeah. Yeah, some days I just want to fight Malcolm, but... (laughs) <laughs> and by some days you mean today, right? Oh, it's about every day, Malcolm. Better be. It better be. Better be, because then you'll be prepared. <laughs> Hold me back, Blake. Let me <laughs> at him. Don't punch your computer screen, Shannon. <laughs> well, I'd love to ask you another question, to which the answer might very well be another gray spot. Uh, but one of our themes on this podcast that we've talked about with almost every guest is the concept of nature versus nurture, whether the circumstances you're born with matter more or the circumstances which you make for yourself. I, I think, um, ultimately it, it like what you do with what you have is what's, what's most important. Some people are born with in, in better circumstances and they have, they have, I don't want to say a head start, because that's not fair to say, but they have less things to go through, or di- not less, but they have different obstacles to overcome. So it, it's really subjective to the person, 
because like we said earlier, you know, one person could go through, you could be born in a ditch, and this, and this other person could be born in, to a millionaire, and the person in the ditch might end up being the millionaire in the future, and the one who was born to the millionaire might turn into a drug addict piece of shit. Mm. So, mm. I, mean, I guess ultimately it depends on what you do with it. But it, there's a big effect on yeah. your mental state, you know, from a child. So if you're born into, like, poverty or in a bad situation, right? you're either going to accept it, right? Or you're going to try to make your life. So I don't, I don't really know how to answer that question. Is, it's is, all it fair like, to say, is it fair to say that both matter, but the nurture is more by what you do with it? Like, nurture doesn't like, exactly... Uh, stop me if I'm wrong, Malcolm. It sounds like what you're saying is that nurture doesn't have to be positive. No, no. And that, and that, is that where you're coming from? That, like, people take what nurture they can get, positive or negative, to grow? Yeah, yeah. Because, like, you could, be, you could be lifted up as a child or a young adult and, like, nurtured the right way. Mm-hmm. I guess say, and you could take that and do great things, but on the opposite hand of the spectrum, like you could be brought up the wrong way and given shit and still make gold out of it. So I guess it it really just depends on you as a person. Mm-hmm. And once you get to a certain age, I feel like you really start deciding where you want your life to go. And if you don't push for it then it's it's on you. It's not about where you came from. Because there's great people that came from nothing, and there's horrible people that came from everything. So, yeah, it's really about what you take from the lessons you learn as a child and what you do. Hmm. Is that what... You, is that what Does that it, answer it? I think I may I have think misinterpreted... I think it answers it very well. What lessons have you learned from an early childhood that you still have taken from then to now like i imagine as a family man you kind of compare how your dad treated you to how you treat your depending on either positive or negative right uh, honestly the biggest lesson i've taken from like my childhood mm. lessons i'll make it multiple right so like for me you have to be comfortable with your emotions and like letting people around you know how you feel talking about your emotions showing your emotions i was taught my dad always drilled into my head to never show my emotions emotions make you weak you yeah. can't cry all this yada 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 and i lived that forever man that's how i that's how i molded my life and i wish i hadn't because now i've got issues that i'm working through and Alyssa, my wife is helping me immensely with calls me out on my like i i'm not very affectionate mm-hmm. i've never shown much affection i'm kind of learning how to deal with my emotions as an hard because it's something that i feel like i should have learned really weird to learn how to deal with that with a family appropriately yeah because you don't want to lash out on something that is maybe a small minute detail yeah 
I guess that's the biggest take. Emotions are everything. Mm. Emotions are what makes who we are, and you have to listen to them and diffuse them and kind of... You have to understand why you're feeling the way you're mm-hmm. instead of just bottling it up and shoving it behind and make you weak. Because emotions are there for a reason. I mean, we're all we're all taught that, and it feels like... In one way or another, right? Yeah. Which is sad, because... Yeah, we we don't grow up in a in a society that is saying emotions are bad anymore. Right. Everybody's saying emotions are good, but then you have people like us who are 20 or older who grew up being told emotions. Yeah. And so everybody's trying to deal with it in their own way now. Yeah, you're trying to figure out, like, why am I anxious all the time? Like, mm-hmm. what do I do when I'm sad? Oh, I'm just going to hide it. And then you just get angry because you hide it. And then you don't know what to do with your anger. And it's it's snowball effect. But when all, all you really... Yeah. Or talk to yourself. Or, or talk to God. Or talk to God. If that's who you want to talk to. I might be... I'm definitely changing the subject. Uh, you play D&D now. Yeah, I do. <laughs> play D&D now. What's that like for you? I love it. We... Us... Malcolm and I have been playing D&D for a couple of years now. You've only been on the outside of it. You I can, know. You've seen the books, you've read them, <laughs> you just never got a chance to play. I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful that I get because Yeah. Yeah, man, it, it's, it's not only a good form of, like, escapism. And escapism, I feel like some people use, or a bad term, but it's you get to escape from this crazy world, man, one way or another. And it also helps me like reconnect with my inner that mm. was kind of lost to me you know yeah like i get to sit down with good dudes and pretend to be in this fucking badass world and do badass shit you get to play your 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 character yeah like but it's more realistic to, than like a video game yeah you get to live out your fantasies to make choices have conversations just you get to it helps you grow. Mm. I think it's helped me grow. Has has your first character or any of your recent characters actually helped you with any problems you've had? Maybe not. I know you're kind of still new. Yeah, I'm pretty new still. But I know, at least for me, trying to to grow with my first character was actually a big deal. I used to make actions in the game. That would help me in real life. Like, uh, <laughs> what was it? I think Austin had our campaign where my guy's moral was like to die and ascend. So to kill my old self and to grow. Not that's a, it's not a great morality to live by, but <laughs> it was just something that had helped me in that moment. I, I think my current character is going to help. Yeah. Is- because you play, it's Ancestral Guardian yeah, Barbarian? Yeah. yeah. Borg the Barbarian! <laughs> and he's, yeah, working through some shit, man. Yeah? Yeah. He's dealing with uh, a lot of anger, mm-hmm. which I've dealt with in my life. And I'm excited to see, like, if he gets to the point where I think he will. So I'm excited to see how he deals with that man. And, and and the growth along the way, going from like 
right now kind of on a very stereotypical revenge Hell yeah. story, you know, but along the way there's going to be a lot of shit you're expect expecting to change mm -hmm. him and his his demeanor, you know? I going off of that with your character, do you feel it like easier to talk to the other players without it being like social awkward? I mean, I'm pretty sure you know all the guys who yeah, you work with yeah. or you're playing with, but does it help you talk to them, like, even out of game? Out of game? I mean, it doesn't really help me talk to them out of game, because I mean, I work with them and I talk all the time. That's true. But, I mean, in game I'm still pretty... Roleplaying makes me anxious. That's hard. Yeah, it's it's... It's not easy. It's hard to do, and I know, like... Even knowing that there's no judgment at the table, still, it makes me anxious to, like, let myself in my imagination go. Mm. And so, in a, that's, it's helping me grow in that, right? It's helping me, it's helped me pretend and play better with my son. Yeah. Which is a good thing. Yeah. Because if I can pretend and play with a bunch of grown men, it's a lot easier to pretend and play with a five-year-old boy, <laughs> you know? I imagine... Malcolm can probably talk more on this. Are, I don't has D and D actually ever helped you through issues, Malcolm? Um, I mean, yeah, it definitely helped me at the ending stages of. Uh, so I, when we started our campaign, Shan, you and I campaign, uh, I was pretty depressed. Uh, and I don't know exactly how much it helped me. Like, obviously, that's not quantifiable in numbers or anything. But spending time with my friends definitely helped me. Breaking you out of that emotional shell and let you play it not a depressed Malcolm. And having scheduled uh, socialization time. Yeah, that's a I, big it, thing. It forced me to actually be around my friends, which is a thing I like, but, you know, depressed me doesn't know that. Yeah, it's, it's that's definitely helped me through this. Yeah, because in the winter time, I I hermit pretty hard, but having that like obligate not obligation but opportunity, I should say, to well, go. It, well, it, it is an obligation yeah. to a point, but like even if you're like you said, Malcolm, like if you're depressed and you don't want to go talk to people, have that that obligation. Oh, I gotta go do this. But once you're there, it's not a chore. You're like happy. Like, oh, mm -hmm. Right. I'm so glad that I that I have this because. It's like, oh, it's like a form of therapy. Yeah, because like getting there is the hard part, but being there is gets so much easier yeah, you as just, you go on. You get lost, man, and then mm -hmm. eventually, like eight hours goes by, and you're like, oh shit! Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> they those eight hour sessions hit different. Mm -hmm. Wow, I love it though. That's so much fun. It is you you just play stories and you just live out your. Your fantasies, whatever it may be, depending on the DM or whatever. Right. Well, mm -hmm. I've always, I've always loved like RPGs, like role playing, like video mm -hmm. games, right? Mm -hmm. Because I get to go do that escape and live in a world, a different world, and make choices. Yeah. But it's limited, and in D and D, like you so say, your dialogue choices in a game, right? You only get so many. so many choices, but in D and D, I can say whatever I want. Say the and fuck can, you want. You can to a swear. point, I can do whatever I want. Right. To be able to swear in a video game, that would be something. Right. You can't do that in D. Well, you. 
You can't do you it. You can swear in D and D. You can swear in D and D, but you can't swear in video games. Mm. Maybe you're playing the wrong video games. <laughs> Probably am. That's D and D is just that's one of those things that only recently that just gets me going. I love I'm always it. happy about it. It's actually I I really want to do. I'm going to do. I'm not gonna say I want. I'm going. I really want to uh, run a cyberpunk game. Dude, that's... It would take me way out of my comfort zone. It'd be really choppy and probably horrible, but I want to do it. I'm going to do it. Because I love that world and that atmosphere. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of... I think I could really, like... I could... DMing alone is... is hard. Mm. It, It really makes you think. I'm... Very fresh. I've told you a little bit about my. I've told Malcolm a little bit about my session. Malcolm's the only veteran here, right now. What is it like, Malcolm? To DM. To DM. Uh. I still don't get it. But that'd be so cool for like you did your own cyberpunk. Yeah, campaign. I want to. It'd be short, but it's a start, and I really want. I mean, I mean, there's nowhere that you can really start with DMing, but starting, like, unless you want to read a bunch of courses or something, which I really don't recommend doing. I think that it's more fun if you learn as you go, and your players will enjoy it more if you just play it out with them. Right. Jump right in. No, just jump right in. Into the fire. <laughs> Into the fire. I mean, and you, I don't know if you listened to Austin's episode, but he was saying it, like, really changed him emotionally because it's all his creativity he just could dump into yeah. something when he's it's it's uh i feel like to be a dm especially one that isn't running like pre-written modules and shit like austin's world he formed from his own mind and mm-hmm. spent hours upon hours building and he'd be so vulnerable to like release mm-hmm. that to people you know and let them kind of be a part of it like yeah. that's that's really putting yourself out there. Right. Even to good friends or people you know really well. Like, that's that's vulnerable. Yeah. It's good, because it's good to be vulnerable and show vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And doing that with your friends is exactly who you want to do it with. Uh, well, I'd love to ask you one more question before we rack up, wrap up, Blake. Yeah. Uh, do you, in general terms, tend to be more of an optimist or a pessimist? That's a good question, because I spent most of my life being pessimist, like, pretty hardcore pessimist. Mm-hmm. And it was one of my self-sabotaging mm-hmm. traits, I guess. Mm-hmm. And just, to, I don't know, it, I felt like it helped me deal with shit, but really it didn't. It kind of harmed me. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I'm optimistic either all the time. I try to be more of a realist, if, that's, if that makes sense. Like, that's a very common opinion that we've gotten. In certain circumstances, I'll be an optimist, right? Like if I'm training, mm-hmm. doing Muay Thai, I try to always, I'm always optimistic. Because mm-hmm. to get yourself through certain things in life, you have to. Like there's times to be optimistic. If you have this mountain you have to climb... And if you're a realist in the moment, like realistically, you shouldn't be able to do this. And that's when you have to kick into the optimism mode and say, oh, fuck.
fuck that. Fuck realism. I'm going to do it. I don't care. Yeah. It's going to happen. So. Not that far. I, I can't say I'm always an optimist or lean towards it more so than being a realist. But. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely not a pessimist. I used to be. And it's not good. It's not a good way to live. Do you still fall under some habits of? Oh, yeah. All I'm not. I'm. I'm definitely at times pessimistic. If I'm depressed, I struggle with depression and anxiety. And when I get into my deep dark holes, like pessimism just falls. My it's yeah. Like Blake, <laughs> <laughs> feed me. Feed me, Seymour. And sometimes I do. And that's why it's good to have people around you that you've chosen to be in your life. To pull you out of it because you have yeah. to have people to say, "Hey, wake the fuck up." Yeah, what are you doing? And you have to listen to those people. When someone, if someone you care about comes to you and says, "Hey, you're acting weird, man," or "You're doing this and you need to not be doing this," you have to listen to that. At least, or at least, at, at least listen it... and hear. Like, mm-hmm. don't just listen to listen. You listen to understand, right? So if someone tells you you're acting a certain way, pessimist, right? Yeah, you have to. Take in what they say, whether you agree with it or not. Send it through your brain. Talk to yourself about it. And talk to someone else about it. And then decide, like... Decide for yourself. Yeah. Ultimately, it's always your own decision. But... Like you were saying. Yeah. yeah. That's why we pick people to have in our lives that are important. Right? Yep. Good people around. That's really interesting, because I don't know that I've ever heard it said like that, but... I think I I would consider myself a realist too, but I definitely, when I get into depressive moods, very much feel pessimistic. Oh yeah, it it's so easy to fall into it. Uh huh. It's like a it's a trap, trap, man. It's like there's candy at the end of the tunnel. And you're like, Ooh, piece of candy. Ooh, Ooh piece of candy. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, it's it's weird when you're depressed, man, because. Sometimes it like it feels good to feed into it, doesn't it? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh definitely. It's like a drug. You're like, mmm. Because usually at at the other end there is that candy or that dopamine high or mm-hmm. whatever it is, and you just oh, I just want it. Get into my web. Can't can't let it get you. In. Can't let it get you. Uh, thanks so much for coming on the yeah, podcast. Thanks for having me, guys. This has been super fun. I I don't know if the audience could tell, but Blake's in the room with me recording this, so this is <laughs> definitely makes me feel more relaxed at some points and like just really focused on what he's talking about in other points. It's just been awesome, and I'm so glad you uh, were willing to come over I'm and hang out. I'm glad you had me. I appreciate it. It's been nice to talk. I don't get this kind of opportunity very often. It's yeah. good. Good. Thank you. Well, always, like always, we've got some housewarming things that I must do uh, before we end the show. Uh, of course, thank you to Nadia Diaz for our podcast cover art. Uh, her Instagram is arthead_creations, no spaces, no capitals. And uh, that's, like I said, on Instagram, and the link will be in the description. Of course, thank you to Jensen Crawl, who makes our intro and outro song, or who made it. Uh, he released a demo a couple months ago uh, called Knocking on Doors for his musical Tea Time that he's been working on. You can find most of 
most of the time you can find that song on all sorts of platforms. That's also going to be in the description. Anything you you want to say, Malcolm? Uh, I mean, I was recently listening to Knocking on Doors, and it's pretty... It's good. I mean, I'm not surprised, but... <laughs> I'm a little bit surprised I went back to it, as I don't normally do that with music. Yeah. Well, once again, thank you, Blake, for coming on the podcast. Appreciate it. Thank you. I really do. Um, but we will see you guys next time with whoever we bring on. So, have a good one. Have a good one. Adios.